broadcasting live on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and this evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Very busy day today. We do not know if we are going to have Jeff Stein. We might have Jeff Stein, our national presidential expert, but it will not be at 335 this afternoon, probably in the 4 o'clock hour if we do talk with him. Just FYI. A lot to get to right away. We're welcoming back Congressman Paul Hodes, who served two terms in the United States Congress uh, for uh, New Hampshire's 2nd Congressional District. He began his legal career in New Hampshire as an assistant attorney general. He was part of the show uh, not about a little more than a week ago. The Beyond Politics podcast is what he hosts along with Matt Robeson. Now we've got the congressman by himself here today to give us a wrap-up of what exactly happened in New Hampshire yesterday. Congressman, thank you very much. Always, I appreciate the time. Matt, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so first of all, um, I, I guess overall, how do you, you know, let's, I guess we'll start with Trump and the Republicans. Y- you know, I've got some serious thoughts on this. What, what did you see last night? You know, I, as a, as a, as a loyal progressive Democrat, I'm delighted with what happened in the Republican primary. I am delighted because we're probably going to get to run against a pig and a crooked thug, a misogynist. I mean, uh, an out of his mind guy who can't remember what Nikki, whether Nikki Haley is Nancy Pelosi or who the, who the heck she is. Um, but now as to the results, what I think that if you look at Iowa and New Hampshire and you put aside the standard media narrative of Trump winning, what you see is ext- a, a guy with extraordinary weakness coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Look at New Hampshire. So New Hampshire uh, is, is more like the general electorate than Iowa was. You've got a large body of independents and undeclared. And everybody was saying, OK, that's Nikki's hope that the independents come out in throngs and uh, put her over the top with Trump. So she lost by, I don't know, 10 or 11 points. The polls going into the primary day showed a much bigger gap. So in the last day or two, she made up a huge, uh, a huge amount on what the polls were saying. And if you flip the narrative and look at Trump, you'd say, okay, he couldn't get beyond 52 53 percent yeah and that's MAGA Republicans uh, going strongly for him but a percentage of MAGA Republicans still not going for him and independent voters going big time for somebody else anybody else Nikki Haley so you look ahead to contests where there may be more independents and you say okay general election he wins his MAGA base. Okay, they're with him forever, even if he shoots somebody on Fifth Avenue, even if he calls out the seals on Joe Biden. I mean, whatever, fine. But in a general election where you've got independents, uh, they're not going to vote for him. Uh, the Democrats are now hitting uh, uh, women's reproductive rights strongly. Women, not going to go for him as, as in, in droves. And if we go back to Iowa, he underperformed in suburbs in Iowa. So you've got suburbs and women who aren't going to go for Trump. So overall, kudos to Nikki Haley for mm. being scrappy. I mean, look, she's, she's Trump in a skirt, okay? Her policies, <laughs> Trump in a skirt. But, but, but she's not insane. So people are saying, okay, maybe the, we can save the Republican Party. If we choose somebody whose who's, who's policies are crazy, but she's not crazy. 
So all in all, good for Nikki Haley, and we'll see what her donors do. They may the big donors who don't want Trump, the 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 slightly older fashioned Republican. Uh, conservative donors, maybe they're going to keep her in the race for a while. Maybe that's why he went so postal on her with his temper tantrums. Well, okay, so this brings up a question I want to get your opinion on, and that is, okay, so DeSantis bails on this race two days ago, you know, and 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 I'm I'm now, now we both know most of DeSantis' supporters did not go for Nikki Haley. They Correct. went for Trump. And I almost wonder, first of all, if DeSantis was still in this race, I wonder if Trump would have won, period, because it's not hard to imagine DeSantis would have gotten 12 points uh, in that race. He would have picked up uh, some some real number, and I do think that it would then have been um, at least much closer, and he may not, uh, Trump may not have won. And I mean, look at DeSantis. Trump goes after him. He calls his wife all kinds of names. He gives he gives DeSantis a, a crazy nickname. He he just hammers the the, the you know what out of out of the DeSantis family. And DeSantis turns around and licks his boots. I mean, the, the Republicans are are they're off the reservation. Okay, the cult of Trump has turned Republicans into jelly brains. I mean, they're like jelly donuts for brains. It's really it's 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 nutball time in America. Ninety five percent of the delegates have been uh, allocated. Uh, basically, it's a fifty four to forty three. I said if it was within fifteen, that would be trouble. This is within twelve. Um, yeah. It, it, I almost do wonder if Trump's team saw this coming, saw they could lose New Hampshire. It's one of the reasons why Trump is going nuts right now and basically pulled DeSantis aside and said, what do you want? And my guess is there's going to be, if he gets into office, there'll be a, a cabinet position for DeSantis. But I think you have to look at, this is this is not a fresh-faced candidate. This is, it's not an incumbent. I'll be the first to say that it's not Biden, but it's pseudo-incumbency. And 50% in Iowa was garbage. He should have been up about 80%. Here he is, you know, this is, once again, it's it's down to just two people. And 40-plus percent are looking at the other candidate and saying, I'd rather have them with the diehard Republicans. I, I just, I, this is, if you are, if you're a Republican, as you said, you started this off by saying, as a Democrat, I'm delighted, and I am too. This is this is pretty solid. But when you look at if you're a Republican and you're looking at this, you've got to be scared to death because what you're seeing here is something that's playing out. And this is before we even get to abortion or any other issue like that, is that he's lost a third of his own party. And that means plus five, plus seven Republican seats. Those are not for granted for Republicans, and this could be a huge nightmare year for the Republican Party. It could be, and you know, I call them all kinds of names, and I and I'm and I'm just warming up on that because I'll come <laughs> up with a whole lot more crazy things to call them. But above and beyond all the names I called him, he is a total loser. Nikki Haley said it best in her concession victory speech, which, by the way, that sure didn't sound like a concession speech to me. It, it sounded more like, here we go, folks. But but she said he lost and he lost. You know, look at what happened in 2018. We lost. Look at what happened in 2020. He lost. Look at what happened in 2022. We lost. Looking ahead to 2024. I mean, 
If I was the Biden communications team, I would think that Nikki Haley's concession speech would make a wonderful advertisement for why not to vote for Donald Trump. She laid it out. Now, I know we've got a wheelchair race coming for president, right? I mean, that, that's, that, that's what we're in. I mean, you've got two old people who are running, and that is Biden's biggest, his biggest, his biggest weakness is his age. It's certainly not his record. And it's certainly not his values. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to work as hard as anybody. And one of the other good things that we now see is that the Biden team is ramping up. They've gotten the message that they've got to ramp up. They've made some changes in their campaign leadership. General Malley Dillon, who ran the 2020 campaign, is now come in in a sort of a guru position. And that's really, that's really good for the Democrats. She knows her business. And I think the Biden team is about to get really tough. Oh, well, and the UAW endorsement that came on down today, that's, that, that's, you know, once again, you, you know, he's an older guy, understandable, but you know, I think the way I said it before, at worst, Joe Biden is an Arby's beef and cheddar, not the sandwich any of us want, but it still is edible food. But Donald Trump's actually a crap sandwich, feces between two slices of bread, and that's not edible. And so they've got to con- they've got to convince you that that is delicious. While uh, you know it, Joe Biden's un- inedible, the reality is is the economy is starting to hum. And and let's talk a little bit about the numbers you you alluded to before. That abortion issue is still they the Republicans do not have any plan. And this whole thing right now, they're all talking about national laws restricting abortion. That is so unpopular come the general election. There is just nowhere they're going to get away from it. And right now, that is still they have still got to figure out a way that they can try to win in the post row world. Yeah, you know, look, I think I, I mean, Biden is essentially on the attack now and he's on the attack about two main issues, women's reproductive rights, because remember, women vote yes. in larger numbers than men uh, generally, especially in presidential elections. Women vote. Women care about this issue. The women's reproductive rights issue cuts across party, um, even among people who are pro-life. Uh, in general, the idea that the government, you know, Republicans used to say, by the way, we're, we're for small government. And I used to say, yeah, you're for a government just small enough to fit into a woman's uterus. Um, and, and in general, what we mean is even people who are pro-life understand, keep your government hands off my body. It's my decision uh, even though I may not be pr- but what they call pro-life, um, we don't want government intrusion. So that's one big issue. Um, and the other is democracy. Oh, remember that. Democracy, what do you want? Democracy or dictatorship? You choose. <laughs> well, and, and the Republicans have chosen on this. That's the crazy thing. My, my wife says to me as I was running over the numbers with her, she goes, isn't it just the saddest thing that all this stuff has happened and he still has support? And... Uh, yesterday I made the point, I don't know if you saw this, he was at the polling place and he told the kid, your mom's hot. What, a few days after his wife buried her mother, he's flirting with women at the poll in public. And I said, that 30 years ago, that would have ended his campaign right there. It just is, it's, it is amazing how broken the Republican voters have become. He's a pig, okay? Yes. He's a pig. So, I mean, if maybe Biden ought to simply put a placard on the side of a pig and say, I'm going to debate the pig because it's like debating Trump. I mean, the guy's a total pig. In addition to being a crook, uh, he's a pig. So what do you got? And by the way, 
Joe Biden is not facing 91 felony indictments, okay? <laughs> he's not. Um, and he's not going to be facing 91 felony indictments. And the pig and the thug who the Republicans seem to want to coronate because he re- must represent their values, he's facing 91 felony indictments. As a former prosecutor, if the odds are out of the 91 does anything stick? I'd say that's a lot of indictments. That, that is, I think we can both agree on that. I'll tell you what, Congressman, we're going to take a break here. I want to come back and talk about what happened on the Democratic side last night because, I mean, it, right now I think you are showing a true, you know, a true surrounding of Biden, that Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. Congressman uh, Paul Hodes, kind enough to join us today from the Beyond Politics podcast uh, from New Hampshire. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on your Wednesday. Show on your Wednesday post to a Hampshire Love Day. Uh, joining us once again right now is Congressman Paul Hodes. Beyond Politics is the podcast, and we should mention, Congressman, you can find that podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. Correct? You bet. It's all over the internet, and uh, you can find us uh, on the Blue Amp YouTube channel. Blue Amp YouTube channel, of course, it's our good friend Cliff Schechter. We just chatted with him yesterday. And uh, we should also, uh, Matt Robeson as well, your partner in crime on the podcast. You can catch you both there. Find the podcast, listen to the podcast. You'll be smarter. It's just the way you need to go. Now, let's go to the Democratic side. I have not ever seen a write-in campaign go as well as what Joe Biden did. Because yeah. th- this was this was pretty remarkable. I mean, he's at fifty five point eight listed, but they still have eleven thousand unprocessed write-ins. Sure, there's going to be your standard Elmer Fuds and stuff in there, but the most of those, I imagine, are going to be uh, JB. So, uh, you know, it's um, you know that that was that was very good work by the Democrats in New Hampshire. Listen, I'm I'm really proud of New Hampshire Democrats. I'm really proud because. Look, the New Hampshire Democrats, in, in, the light, in light of what the Democratic National Committee did in taking away the primary and giving it, could have folded up their tents and gotten all pissy and said, oh, we're not going to help. And, oh, we're, you know, we're angry and just gone home. But what did the New Hampshire Democrats do? They did what New Hampshire Democrats do. They organize and they fight like hell. So there was a huge organized uh, right in Biden effort, um, ads, television ads, newspaper ads, emails, volunteers, signs, rallies. Um, we did, we did, we did good work because New Hampshire Democrats cared more about country than anything else. New Hampshire Democrats are patriotic, and New Hampshire Democrats knew that it was important to send a strong message to Democrats around the country that Joe Biden is the nominee, and we really need to rally around him. Two other people in the race, Dean Phillips, a congressman, whose issue apparently was uh, Joe Biden's too old. Okay, we know that a certain percentage of people think are concerned about Joe Biden's age. We know that, and the, and the vote for Dean Phillips showed that. And the third candidate, Marianne Williamson, somebody I know really well because, okay, I'll admit it. I'll admit it on the air. I needed work. I ran her New Hampshire campaign for president in uh, uh, 2020. Um, And 
I understand the disaster that is Mary Ann Williamson. Uh, I'm saving most of it for a book or a movie in terms of my <laughs> observations. But let's just say that if 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 Trump, well, no, I won't even go there. Let's just say I'm glad she got a very very small percentage. New Hampshire voters did their job. The Biden campaign can look at this as a victory. I haven't seen any great thank yous, by the way, from the Biden campaign or the DNC for saying to New Hampshire Democrats, listen, we know we screwed you, but thanks anyway for being adults in the room, because that's what Democrats did. And the vote for Biden, around 70% in a write-in, unprecedented. Unprecedented. That's insane. And by the way, I call her Moonbeam. Because I think that's appropriate. That's but that's my 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 you know much my, my thing. I call her Moonbeam. Uh, Dean Phillips is my congressman. I got redistricted mm-hmm. out. Uh, Ilhan Omar. I was in her district for a while. Now I'm in with right. Dean Phillips. We don't know what he's doing. No one here knows what he's doing. As a matter of fact, I would say that there is even if he decided, you know what, I'm going to run. I'm going to go back to off. He's not going to. He wouldn't win a primary. He'd lose in a mile. I, 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 this whole thing with him and the exact numbers for him are he got 19.6%. And once again, he lost to a write-in campaign where the, the candidate had to go in, the, the voter had to go in there and sit down with pen and paper and write on the write-in line. And he got trounced basically three right. to one. Yet I, I want to give Matt Robeson credit because the last time we talked, he brought up the point. What exactly happened this morning? Trump wins by 11K and it's a decisive victory. You know, he's the anointed one, all these things. 11K. Joe Biden wins by 33K on a write in candidate as a write in candidate. And basically, the argument is oh, well, look at the large chasm in the Democratic Party. I don't. I think the people that keep writing these headlines keep thinking that a Dean Phillips or a Joe Manchin has mass appeal within the Democratic Party, and that's just a joke. They have appeal with the moderate Republicans, but they. Sh- I don't. I don't know any Democrat who would say, "Oh, I'm going to go vote for Joe Manchin or Dean Phillips." The the media ought to be ought to be saying. Biden romps in write-in by 50 points over his closest rival without even setting a foot in New Hampshire. Not even, not setting a foot, not a finger, not a nose, not an ear, nothing. And, and the DNC, um, coming at us to, to, to tell us that we're meaningless. And I mean, and still Biden wins by 50 points. What is the, and the media doesn't really report it. That I have to say, this is the same. Uh, mainstream media, which is getting the Trump, quote, victories, unquote, so wrong. They're not, they're just, there are some rumblings about his weakness. The New York Times just put up an article saying uh, narrow victories in Iowa and New Hampshire basically show Trump's weakness. So they're beginning to do that. And if Nikki Haley and the Biden campaign keep on hammering away at the fact that the guy can't keep two thoughts in his head, uh, for more than a second, um, as well as his other deficiencies, uh, we'll see that that weakness. But Biden came out of New Hampshire strong, and I think both the DNC and the Biden campaign owe an apology to New Hampshire. I understand why they did what they did. I don't agree with it. I understand it. But they ought to write a nice letter to New Hampshire Democrats saying, thank you. Mm-hmm. You've done such a great job for us. Thank you so much. Not that I expect we'll see that kind of 
graciousness I'll, from I'll, those parties. I'll make a call. I'll see if we can get that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, okay. If I'm not mistaken, what we are looking by at now is uh, the Democrats are up next with uh, both South Carolina and uh, Nevada. That's on February 3rd and February 6th. Nevada's for the Republicans, but is anyone on the ballot for Republicans in Nevada? I don't think so. I don't think so I think, either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, uh, Nikki Haley just skipped right over it. She put all her horses into uh, New Hampshire. I think she skipped over Nevada. She's hoping that between now and the end of February, she can make up ground in South Carolina, where, frankly, she's got a challenge because the MAGA Republicans there, like MAGA Republicans elsewhere, want want the, the put the lipstick on the pig. So. Um, She's got, even though she loves South Carolina and was governor in South Carolina, she's got a formidable challenge there. Although, like New Hampshire, it is an open primary and uh, independents can vote uh, in the um, in the primary. So, you know, I think she's going to I think I think we're going to see her at least through South Carolina. Uh, Congressman Paul Hodes, once again, Beyond Politics is the podcast. Find that wherever you find your podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate the insight. Let's have you guys back on here sometime around South Carolina towards the end of February. We'll talk a little bit about that, how things are going down there, okay? Great. What a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing such a great job. Congressman, the pleasure is 1,000% mine. It's an absolute honor to chat with you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time today. Congressman Paul Hodes from New Hampshire, kind enough today to join us and talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. Jeff Stein will join us in the 4 o'clock hour to talk a little bit about that as well. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show.